You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I am your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, do you reckon we could, um, we could steal some segments for this podcast from Footy Classified? I actually, <laughs> so so my answer is no, because I don't actually watch Footy Classified. <laughs> and I, I I would like to watch it. I mean, from time to time, if it's on, I'll flick it on. But isn't it on at like 10.30 on a Monday night or something? I think it was, I it was like 11. Stuff. Yeah, it's, oh. it's late. I know that. I don't know why they bother. What's the point of having that show on if it's going to be at 11 o'clock? It's, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's just so they can tweet out uh, yeah, segments of it later on. Uh, Matthew Lloyd uh, calling Bill Simmons for plagiarizing footy classified. Now, I don't know how much of that was tongue-in-cheek. Wait but a second. That's, Wait a second. That's it. This is, it. this is the quote. Bill, I know you've got the number one podcast in the world, but if you're going to steal something, do it properly. He's called out Bill Simmons for stealing footy classified's good call, bad call segment. Well, first of all... <laughs> He's definitely got to be joking, first of all. So I'm not taking that serious from uh, from Lloyd. Who, by the way, Lloyd Matthew Lloyd is. Uh, I've got him behind you in my Lloyd power rankings. But that's good. I, I don't think that you could. I don't think you could accuse the guy that's basically created the podcasting platforms as as the guy that uh, that would be plagiarizing anything. I think Bill's got free reign to do whatever the hell he wants. You reckon Bill's sitting down at on eleven o'clock on a Monday night watching Footy Classified? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if that news is going to get across to him. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but that's yeah, that's not important news. But we talked yesterday about Richmond and their battle coming up in week one of the finals and who, who are we going to take out for Prestia and Lynch to come back? And it turns out, Kane, that uh, Tom Lynch isn't coming back. Yeah, pretty conservative decision from the Tigers. I kind of like that they just came out and said, and I tell you what, this is a team that feels pretty comfortable about their position in the top eight and their position, uh, hopefully, contending for a flag, doesn't it? Because they're just like, well, uh, I know it's only uh, Monday, but I don't really care. We're just going to say that our key forward, he's not playing. He's not right to go. Uh, You just don't see that, particularly in finals week. Normally, you'll see a team that will really stretch that out right until the game day, and maybe they would even name him and then make a a late withdrawal. So I was kind of shocked to hear the news come out uh, so early in the week. But clearly, it's a big blow for the Tigers. But again, I think that they've got confidence. They've done it before. They've done it before with Jack up forward. We spoke about Mabio Chol last week. He's probably going to keep his spot. I think the big question mark that came from this for me when I heard this news was, do we, do you think that this changes Brisbane's decision with Harris Andrews at all? Poor. Look, that, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah. Because obviously, you know, the, the matchup maybe isn't as dire. Yeah, to have him out there, I think may I think it might it might do. It doesn't mean that they're going to say, well, Lynch isn't playing, so we just won't play Andrews. But if there is a fifty-fifty or a sixty-forty, they might say, well, maybe we don't push him here. Let's let's you know, we might be able to handle maybe or Chol easier in that forward line. We can get someone else to to take Jack Rewalt, um, and we feel a little bit more comfortable with that rather than risking a push on Andrews. I hadn't thought of it from that that angle, but I reckon there's a possibility. It's not just they're going to automatically rule him out, but if there is that level of doubt, and it's like, yeah, um, a, a concern, and it'd be different if it was a uh, you know, an elimination game, which it isn't. Um, I think that, yes, they will be a little bit more cautious. 
Yeah, that's kind of the way I would be leaning as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Harris Andrews didn't play. It is the obvious matchup. And if Tom Lynch, which we thought originally was going to play in this game, then it would make sense for Harris Andrews to come back. Remember, originally, when Andrews did the hamstring, they were talking that he might not even be back for a prelim. So his uh, recovery has been remarkable how quick it's been. I don't think anyone expected him to be ready for this final when the injury first happened. So with that in mind, you have to say that there must be some kind of risk with playing him. And if you're Brisbane right now, you look at it and you look at the rest of your team. Remember, they got Stefan Martin back for that game against Carlton as well. So they got Oscar McInerney and Stefan Martin that can play in the ruck. Uh, Eric Hipwood, obviously, up forward with Daniel McStay. And then down back, Darcy Gardner is the primary tall defender. And then they had Jack Payne. So they've got plenty of talls in there. Uh, if you were having some serious troubles down back and you needed to a fail-safe, you could throw Daniel McStay down there. You're probably still going to end up with a, a tall in the team anyway because you've got Stefan Martin and McInerney there. So I don't know. I mean, I think the balance of the team for the Tigers is fine. I think that when you're playing against Richmond, you need as many small guys as possible. So I, I think that there is an avenue for Brisbane to say, I, I know that we went out in straight sets last year and we really want to get this, not only just get this win, but get over the hoodoo of playing Richmond. Uh, I think I was reading a stat the other day that Dustin Martin is 15-0 and against Brisbane in his career and uh, maybe Cochin was 16-0 and or something ridiculous like that. So they just haven't been able to get over the top of this Richmond team and I would understand why they would want Andrews back. But if there was any risk at all, you would imagine that they'd say, I, I think uh, man for man, we line up okay against Richmond with no Tom Lynch. Yeah, uh, it's it's all going to come down to you know, the the health and what the doctors say. But imagine that he plays and then pings it straight away. Right, like exactly. That's, uh, it's it's it obviously looks bad, but it also just kills your chances the rest of the way. Would he play on just to jump in? Would he play on Jack Revolt anyway? Or, I don't. Yeah, you look. You probably would. Um, who else are you gonna, would you chuck him on down there with with no Lynch? Like, I think you would just so. Yeah, the ball is going to be majority of the time coming towards Rewald in that scenario. And we know how Andrews is such a great intercept marker and one-on-one -on -one guy. So he's going to be able to read the play off there because it's going to be coming in that direction a lot. And he's also going to be able to you know, take those grabs and, and nullify a lot of attacks. I think you would. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you spoke about his intercept marking uh, capabilities. I, I just wonder whether they'd go with maybe a Gardner and, and Andrews would be that third man. Um, to try and uh, help out and chop out off his man where uh, where he could. It's just interesting. I, I just, again, I mean, I know um, it, it seems obvious, but without that matchup of Lynch there, I just wonder whether... It, I mean, it would just be devastating, as you sort of pointed to, if he went down with an injury early uh, in the game and his season was done. Other injury, or not injury news, um, news across... We'll talk about the finals teams first. Um Looks like Jack Stephen could be out with your boys uh, down in Geelong um, with Reese Stanley returning to action. Well, it's going to come down to who they bring back into the team. So Stanley will come in for Radaglia. That makes sense for me. But the Jack Stephen one is really interesting. The, the final game of the home and away season, they played Sydney. Uh, Brad Close was dropped, but we remember they brought in uh, Gary Rowan, Gary Ablett, Joel Selwood, and Jack Stephen into that team. I think the question that the Cats will have to decide for the balance of the team where does Jack Stephen fit? They played Patrick Dangerfield a lot up forward in that game against Sydney. My prediction is he's going to spend 90% of the game in the midfield because the clearance battle is going to be so critical for Geelong against a, a really strong Port Adelaide midfield. I just wonder where Jack Stephen fits in. If he's not playing in the middle, where do you play him? I, I don't think that he's there's that much value uh, for him playing in the forward line. He's averaged 16 disposals a game this year, but has never really got anywhere near 
uh, his best form. He's looked scratchy at best. I just wonder whether the Cats would be better off, and it's going to be um, contingent on injury concerns on Tom Atkins, but whether they bring in a Tom Atkins for his forward line pressure or Brad Close for Jack Stephen, I probably would. And I don't think, and the big thing about this is, I just don't think if you looked at this Geelong team at the start of the season, considering they lost Tim Kelly, that you would have sat back and said, yeah, Geelong will finish top four with Jack Stephen really being an absolute non-factor. It's quite remarkable that they're in this position. Yeah, he hasn't. Look, you just watch him play. Like it just, it's not the same guy. And obviously, yeah. there's been lots of issues with him off off field as well. But he just is when he gets the ball, when he gets near it, you don't you don't get worried. You don't think, yeah. oh, well, what's going to happen? And look, so many other guys. You've got Mitch Duncan, Cam Guthrie, Menegola, yeah, Dangerfield and Selwood and, and those sort of guys running through the midfield. Like, where does it leave him? And I reckon you're getting, you're better off getting a more specialist player in there. Like, he had 13 touches in that game against Sydney. That's okay. But it's just, everything is just okay with him. And I think, It just wasn't damaging, was it? Yeah, the, the name value recognition is almost keeping him into that discussion where if you mentioned should Jack Stephen be dropped, the people would be like, oh, no, nah, it's Jack Stephen. But I think it's more name recognition versus what he's actually done this year. I uh, 100% agree. And he's actually only got 200 meters gained uh, per game this year as well. And when you think about Jack Stephen, you think about that guy that's got the legs pumping. He's taken three or four bounces running up and down the wing. He just hasn't been that player. And uh, I think it's too late now for him. It's too late. You can't go into a first final and hope that all of a sudden he's going to find that form. So, uh, he'll be around next year again, but uh, it just hasn't worked out for him uh, this year. As far as guys that it hasn't worked out for them, Harley Bernal retired. And we spoke about him a lot yeah. uh, through the season. Uh, Melbourne, I, I thought it was one of the, the great stories this year that he was able to come back and play, played four games for Melbourne this year. Remember, he, he'd only played, uh, sorry, five games for Melbourne this year. He'd only played two games going all the way back to 2015. So for him to come back and play and get healthy and get over those calf struggles uh, was huge. But it, it just, it probably ended the way I think a lot of people predicted it would. Yeah, look, there's obviously plenty of off-field issues here with Bernal. We know he's played, what, seven games over five years. He retired and now he's been hospitalized after uh, for intoxication after his celebration for retirement. It's just consistent things that seem to be going wrong. For Harley Bernal, you hope he gets the support he needs to be able to you know, live his life um, in a positive manner from now on. We talked about him, whether he would get another contract even after this year. And I think we both said no at the time, and he sort of took, took that decision out. Of, I don't know if he took that decision off Melbourne, just said, mate, you're not coming back. And he was under the impression that no one else would be uh, offering him a deal, and that uh, that makes that makes sense. To me, um, you just hope that this doesn't cause any sort of issues in his life because that's a, it's not a great start to retire and then yeah, straight away into the hospital uh, after a night of drinking. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to the start of his career and this is the, the real shame. I mean, we know about the injuries. We know he was trying to get going uh, at Fremantle as well before going to Melbourne. But you look at the, the first five uh, seasons of his career, 2011 through to 2015 on the Gold Coast. Remember, Gary Ablett was in that midfield at the time as well. But uh, Bennell was consistently, uh, every single game or every single season, he averaged over 20 disposals outside of year one. He got you more than a goal a game. He was one of the most electric talents in the league. And it's it's just really sad. It's just really sad because he was, uh, even though those Gold Coast teams were struggling, in that year where Gary Ablett was absolutely on fire prior to, he hurt, he's hurting his shoulder and, and really missing the rest of the season. The Suns looked dangerous, and we know what happened to that 
uh, franchise after obviously Abbott left and Banal left and Prestia left and you could just keep going through uh, the names and we've seen them bounce back this year but Banal was a big reason for why there was optimism around the Suns. Yeah, uh, and obviously things went uh, off track pretty uh, yeah, a few, quite a few years ago now with injuries and other off-field stuff. So yeah, hopefully everything uh, turns out okay there for him and some more off-field stuff with Adelaide, uh, Brad Crouch and Tyson Stengel uh, being caught by police with an illicit substance, uh, or as you have uh, so succinctly written it down here, Kane, a case of white line fever perhaps. Yes, uh, that's what the reports uh, suggest. And I think the big thing to note, first of all, I mean, I know people get pretty outraged about it, and clearly it's not good. I mean, it's it's, it's not a good situation to, to be in for those two players, but I think we would all be, um, uh, what's the right word? We, we would all be pretty naive if we thought that we could single out these two players and say that they're these terrible people or they've done something so horribly wrong and not assume that uh, there is a lot, lot, lot more players within the AFL system uh, that are doing the same thing, maybe going out and uh, partaking in some uh, some of this uh, activities and not being caught. I mean, it's just the reality. So it, it's unfortunate for those two guys. It's not good for Adelaide. I think the big thing, particularly for uh, Crouch coming into his free agency and, again, uh, a lot of the talk or basically the expectation has become that he's going to end up at Geelong I don't think that this would be something that would deter the Cats from wanting Crouch unless they did their investigations and they found out that there was a serious problem there, which obviously we, we hope is not the case. But surely now, he, he's cost himself a few dollars, hasn't he? I mean, if you're Geelong, you're well within your rights to say, well, we're not paying you exactly what we were going to pay you a week ago. You've just been uh, pulled up by the police for carrying drugs. Yeah, okay, there's a, there's a lot of things to, to touch on here, I think. is it You're right, these aren't the two, only two blokes in the AFL who uh, do this. It's their off-season. There are plenty of AFL players who you can have whatever moral opinion you want on it, but but partake in illegal drugs like off-season. Like there's plenty who do it during the season. Um, so let's not you know you go crazy on these guys as the, the two. Oh my God, get these guys out of the game because they're the only ones ruining it for everyone. Like that, that is a long way from being the truth. Does he cost himself some money? Perhaps, but. Does another team come in and be still willing to pay that? And let's and there were some ridiculous tweets about this yesterday about oh how, how's Geelong going to possibly sell getting Brad Crouch to their members? What's what's Joel Selwood going to think of this indiscretion? Like they they just brought in Jack Stephen. Like I don't think that with the, the issues around him, like the the, the dude got stabbed in uh, suspicious circumstances at the beginning of the year, and that's not the only uh, incident that's happened in his uh, off field career. Uh, I don't think they're going to be too worried about that. Maybe they get him at a bit of a discount now. There are going to be concerns about that, but this is far from the only time. This this happened so many times, and probably 90% of the times that it's happened, we never hear about it. And yeah, people get it done. So it's not I, I, Geelong is not the um, not that really any club is, but they're not like this pure club that's got. We can't have any of these people <laughs> who are doing these Wait a second. these bad things. You, you, you don't you don't agree with that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Geelong's perfect. What's ever gone wrong in Geelong? Yeah, nothing. Uh, yeah, never, never. Hey, by the um, way, shout out to Gary Ablett Senior. Oh well, come on. <laughs> once, once, once he left the club, things are, things have not gone well. Um, there's no doubt about that. But uh, no, you're right. And I think the big thing to to note is that this is not. Uh, it's not just. It's not. It's not a problem. That's just that football players can avoid. I mean, clearly, you would love it if you were the Adelaide Crows or Geelong or whoever it may be that. You wouldn't have to worry about your players getting themselves in this situation at all. But at the same time, they're guys in their 20s. And uh, listen, 
I mean, everyone listening to this podcast probably has friends that uh, partake in the same behaviors, and it's 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 just part of part of life now, and it's unfortunate, and it's you prefer that it didn't happen. But I, I agree with you. I mean, just hanging these guys for this incident just seems ridiculous to me. There's but there's bigger, you know, give them the help they need and find out whether they do need support and, and help if this is a bigger issue. But publicly hanging them on online or on TV shows, it's just ridiculous to me. There's been really no talk about Stengel either because he had a, a big drink driving charge earlier in the season mm. too, um, where he had, uh, he had his blood alcohol was 0.125, which is obviously a huge, huge number. So I don't, that's a repeated pattern of behavior because, again, that's twice getting caught by police and that you don't get caught by police every time you do something wrong. I think that's mm. probably more of a concern for a 21-year-old guy um, who's had those two incidences within six months that's more of an issue. Of course, he's not looking to, to leave a club under free agency and he's not as big of a name, but that's probably more of a concern there. But again, this this stuff happens all the time in every walk of life. These people aren't different to regular humans. And things like this happen in every industry and in every walk of life and every type of people. And it doesn't. it's not uh, disqualifying from you know, becoming a good AFL player or a player that's you know, worthy of you know, being a, uh, a prize free agent recruit. Which it still appears that uh, the Crouchy will be. Um, other news, the West Australian government is uh, going to make the Eagles quarantine for 14 days because they will have touched the dirty Collingwood players in their, in their game. I don't really understand what... <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if, you, if I'm going down the path you think I'm going to, but... I don't understand why there is so much outrage about this, and uh, yeah, Adam Simpson's talking about this could be motivation for the Eagles to not I lose could this not, week. I couldn't it's, believe it's like, that people were saying that. Are you kidding me? These guys, and, and I've been in support of the players all season. That you know, it's been difficult. They've had to go through difficult situations. They've been away from home. But I can tell you, as someone that lives in Victoria. If you're asking me if I feel bad for these players that if they lose, they're going to have to spend another 14 days at home before they have complete free reign to do whatever the hell they want in Western Australia, no, I don't. I couldn't care less. I, I don't give a shit. And I don't think that it's anything worth complaining about. Is it over the top from the government? Absolutely it is. There's no coronavirus in WA, and these Collingwood players have been getting tested regularly. They haven't even been in Victoria, first of all. I, I mean, it's it's over the top, but do I feel bad for them? No, get over it. Who cares? Spend 14 days at home. Like, what's the big deal? What are we complaining about here? And if that's the motivation you need uh, to win a final, then I, I'm not. I'm just not sure what you guys are trying to do. What, what are they doing going in there before before the game, giving the speech? All right, guys, let's win this one so we don't have to sit at home for two weeks. What are you talking about? You want to win because you want to win? Surely. You don't need this extra motivation. That was one of the most ridiculous things that I saw yesterday. And there was plenty of stupid things going on in the world yesterday. But that was pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, I've got no problem with the government saying it's 14 days. They have their rules. They've got themselves down to no cases. So they're, they're being careful about you know introducing new cases and, and and it's two weeks man like i think you can you'll be all right this listen is- you you've had you've had a whole state basically or certainly the the whole of metro melbourne not able to go five kilometers away from their house for months on end and these footy players who've been living in a resort are going to complain because they have to stay at home for 14 days who cares get over it yeah i, I don't think it's any issue at all i think it's ridiculous i think it's it's fine it's two weeks of your life you'll be good after that, we'll, uh, we don't have too many problems with that as we move forward. Um, Kane, we we're going to talk this article 
about rule changes potentially for 2021, but I reckon we might uh, we might move on from that one because we've still got to talk wildcards in today's show, and somehow we've uh, we've already spoken for 20 minutes. So let's talk finals <laughs> wildcards. Yesterday we talked about Collingwood and the Bulldogs. Today we're going to look at the rest of the bottom half of the eight, and that is St Kilda and West Coast. Who is your Saints wildcard player? Jack Loney is my uh, wildcard player, and. We've spoke a lot about Dan Butler on this podcast uh, this season for obvious reasons. The guy was in the All-Australian 40-man squad, uh, potentially a snub from the team. He's had a fantastic season. But another guy that goes under the radar for the Saints, they've got a bunch of little fellas that like to uh, sniff around the goals, and Jack Loney's definitely one of those players. The interesting stat that stands out to me is that he's kicked multiple goals on three occasions this year. The Saints have won all three of those games. One of those games was against Richmond. The other one was against Greater Western Sydney in another big game uh, last weekend. And then the other one was uh, against Hawthorne. But the Saints, 3-0 in games that he's kicked multiple goals. And according to statsinsider.com.au, Jack Loney might be one of those players that needs to work on his accuracy a little bit. He's kicking 25%, uh, 27% on general play shots on goal this season whether it's those snaps, whether he's running into the open goal. Uh, he's been really, really bad, and he's got to work on that. And again, we spoke about accuracy. The Saints have been one of the more accurate teams in the competition this year by virtue of the position on the ground that they get those shots on goal. Loney's been missing some opportunities, only 43% accuracy overall on the season. Uh, if Loney kicks multiple goals this year, the Saints win, but he's got to kick straight. That's an interesting one. To me, I went with Brad Hill, who I think has been a bit up and down for this season. He's averaged 16 disposals over the course of the year. He's only kicked the two goals uh, and as a really hard running wingman who we saw what he was able to do you know, in his time over in Western Australia. I feel like he's probably been a little bit of a disappointment this year. He's had a couple of big games in the middle of the year against Melbourne. He had 27 touches in that one. He's probably playing at a higher level now than he was earlier in the season, but I just feel like he hasn't quite been where St. Kilda would want him to be. But if things, if he really gets into that link-up play and that hard running and, and the super speed that he's got, he can really break things open. And uh, we, we've, we saw him earlier in the season against the Bulldogs. He really able to get you know, get behind the lines and break things open. He had 19 touches in that game. I just think that he's that player that if that Bulldogs hard-pressing defensive style enables guys to get that space and he can really take advantage of that. So he's the one that, that really needs to step up. But if he isn't in that position, then he has that inability to maybe be yeah, significantly less impactful than what his talent would suggest. It's a fair call. What about the Eagles? We've actually gone down a similar path here, so I reckon I might... Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first here with who's going to be your Eagles uh, wildcard. Well, the Eagles team's interesting because we know that there's a bunch of guys that could be coming back this week. Um, I was going to go with Jake Waterman, who hasn't played... He's only played nine games this year, uh, and I think he's a real interesting player who can step up, but I'm going to go with Jack Darling. Now, we know that he's going to be playing. We know he's an established player. He's kicked another 27 goals this year. But he has had some times where his, I don't know how to, to phrase this, his uh, commitment under pressure is maybe not where it needs to be. He's, uh, he can, can go missing at times. And if he has a big one yeah, alongside you know, Josh Kennedy, that makes it really, really tough for that Collingwood defense, which is as good as it is. But if Darling is on and Kennedy is on, that just helps both of those guys to to really you know, synergistically provide more benefits to that, that forward line. Now, he's really good this year. He was fourth in goal assists over the, the, the whole season. He was um, fifth in contested marks. Like These are good numbers. But Darling's finals record is probably not where he would want it to be. 
He's had some moments. He's he's had some he's had some <laughs> concerns. There's no doubt about that. Um, and but if he steps up, if he comes out and kicks four, then that you if he was able to have you put those demons aside and really step up, uh, it makes him real tough to beat. Well, I've gone for a tall forward as well. I've gone for the 21 year old Oscar Allen, and it's similar to the stats I had with Jack Loney. The the performances that Oscar Allen has really stepped up. I think generally translates to a win for the Eagles. And I think a reason for that is because of the two guys you mentioned, Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling, when they're firing and then you have this third option in Oscar Allen, they become really, really hard to beat. He's had more than 10 disposals on five occasions this year. They haven't lost one of those games, which also translates uh, to the marks when he's taking marks and flying for pack marks and taking more than five in a game. The Eagles don't lose either. Interesting to note in that last uh, time that the Eagles played uh, Collingwood completely destroyed them. Oscar Allen was huge. He finished with his uh, with 14 disposals and kicked a season high uh, three goals in that game as well. You just notice it because when you think about Darling and you think about uh, Josh Kennedy, they are lead-up players. And we know that the Eagles like to use precise ball movement. They'll move it around. They've got great skills. A guy like Tim Kelly will hit up Kennedy on the lead all day long, all night long in, in this case. But Oscar Allen is a bit of a point of difference. He'll fly. He flies in the packs. He takes those contested marks, so uh, it's hard to believe that he's only 21 given the season that he's had this year. He's kicked 16 goals and become a real factor for them. Uh, but if Oscar Allen gets on the end of a few goals and certainly gets his hands on the footy, uh, it's going to be really hard to beat this Eagles team. Yeah, it just gives them, as you said, a point of difference, just a different option up there. And if, if those other two guys fire, it really opens things up for Allen, who had that big game against Collingwood earlier in the year. And I've been really impressed with with him and quite a few of the Eagles' young players. Yeah, that other guy that I talked about, you know, Jake Waterman, I thought has had some really strong moments this year as well in that forward line. But that Eagles team, I don't know how it's going to look with the potential return of a bunch of different guys you know, coming back into this squad and how they line up will be really, really interesting uh, for their game, which I believe is on Saturday night from Memory Kane. We are, again, one day closer to finals footy. Thank you again for an, another great show. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that it's been a little bit interesting this week because we've had a, over a week since there was last footy, but uh, only two days. By the time we come back tomorrow, there will be a final the next day. My team starting to get a little bit excited. Yes, uh, Geelong and Port will kick us off on Thursday night. It is super exciting, guys. If you don't want to miss a minute of our action here on this podcast, don't forget to subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and leave us a five-star review. That would be excellent. And today, I'll leave you with a shout-out to Brett Allison. <laughs>